I, I just wanted to let Pastor Marcus know today that I appreciate him. And you, he's, he's always just ready. He's just ready. And I want to I wanna recommend him, y'all, uh, <laughs> when you don't see me, look for him. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, and I don't like how loud I am. There's two things I'm going to do. One is I'm going to ask you to stand while I read the scripture and while I pray. The passage that I'm reading today is 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 through 9. And... There's something that I came to discover, and that is, and those who may have a hard time standing, you, you may be seated, I mean, but, um, no, not, don't all y'all sit down. <laughs> but there, there is something that I discovered in, I believe it's the book of Nehemiah, and that is, there were the people that stood to hear the word of God from morning to noon, and they stood giving ear to the word of God. And so today we stand as we read the word of God. First Kings chapter, King chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. Verse 1 says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me. Be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And the, my dad would say because he received a Jezogram. <laughs> when he came to Beersheba in Judah, <clears throat> he left his servant there while he himself when a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days. And 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Since I have a captive audience, and I may not get this chance again, I've decided that this sermon will run through next Friday. <laughs> and you are not permitted to leave. 
<laughs> I must acknowledge my good friend in the back. Damien, it's good to see you back there. <laughs> I've given this message a title, and it is Running on Full in the Wrong Direction. Running on full in the wrong direction. The book of Kings is a fascinating book. It is a book that depicts, and even though it did not start there, it is a book that depicts the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, and how the nation was split. Israel had been a united nation. It had been one under King David. In fact, before King David, we know that Saul was the king. Saul messed up. He didn't do what the Lord told him to do. Because he did not completely destroy his enemies, they became a constant thorn in the side of Israel. So because Saul refused to obey God, God says, I'm replacing you with David, a man after my own heart. So David led the house of Israel, total of 40 years, one nation, 33, and another seven, and that nation was united under him. Then his son Solomon came to the throne. Solomon was a man who prayed when God came to him. He didn't pray for, as I'm in some of this is refreshing, refresh, like a refresher course, and for those who have not been here, I preached sometime past on, on, on segments of this, but Solomon had prayed that God would give him wisdom. And the Lord was so pleased with Solomon's request that he didn't ask for riches and a long life that God said, Solomon, because you have asked for a discerning heart, not only am I going to make you wise, but I'm also going to make you wealthy, and I'm going to give you a long life. There were some requirements that Solomon had to follow, and one of the things that you'll note in 1 Kings, that as Solomon got old, the Bible says that his heart didn't follow God as his father David had. And the Lord said that because of this, Solomon, I'm going to strip the kingdom from you. But because of my love for David, I'm not going to completely take the entire kingdom. I'm going to leave him a tribe. I'm going to leave him Judah. And so the Lord sent a person by the name of Jeroboam a message by the prophet Ahijah. And he told Jeroboam, who was a person who worked in the labor force under King Solomon, That in this field where Jeroboam was walking, Ahijah met him, and he had a new coat, and he tore that coat into 12 pieces and gave Jeroboam 10 of them. But like he said, but for my servant David, I'm not 
going to completely take the kingdom. I'm going to give him a tribe. And oftentimes the tribe of Judah and Benjamin were considered as one. Even though there were two tribes, they were oftentimes in scripture counted as one. So the Lord said, I'm going to give these ten kingdoms because of sin. Solomon has not followed me. In fact, Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines. Solomon was a busy man. But the Lord had told him that he was to follow the Lord. But Solomon loved women. And, well, and he got himself in trouble. Now, let me say this. The Lord had told Solomon now, if you follow me after, like I've told you, follow my commands, in the dream that God had given him, I'm going to bless you. But interestingly enough, in his older age, the Bible says that his wives led him astray. And he began to build idol temples and places for all of his wives. Because they said, you want, I want one too for my God. And this is what caused the splitting, the ultimate splitting of the nation of Israel. When you look at sin, sin is a killer. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. It does have a price tag. It's coming sooner or later. But sin carries the price tag of death, without exception. Now the Lord said, Solomon, but because of my love for your father David, I'm not going to do it in your lifetime. You're going to remain on this road. I'm going to do it to your son. I'm going to strip the kingdom from him. So Rehoboam, his son, comes on the throne. So there's Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son, and there's Jeroboam, who the message was given to. And Jeroboam is going to become the, the king over the tribe of Israel, the ten. And Rehoboam is going to become the king over the tribe of Judah. Now, let me fast forward. In Israel, in scripture, you never find one good king after King David, Solomon, after he went his way. You never find a good king that came out of Israel ever again in history in the Bible. Once it was divided. There are only a few good kings that came out of Judah. But no good kings that came. And the Bible says if you note carefully when it gives the chronicles and talks about what happens. It then says that this person followed the sins of such and such a person. But when there was a righteous person it said that this person followed their father, like my servant David. It was oftentimes compared to that individual. So if they sinned, they were compared to that person. Jeroboam became the person of evil, and the Bible compared most of the kings to him because he was one of the, the most wicked. But when it came to Ahab, he wrote some new rules of wrong that went beyond even Jeroboam. And the Bible says that on top of all of the things that he did, he married Jezebel. Now when the name, I hope nobody, I, please don't take it, I hope nobody's name is Jezebel in here. 
If I do, will y'all forgive me? All right. Even today, I hear a person, you ain't nothing but a Jezebel, right? I mean, they know it's not a positive name. Most people don't name their kids Jezebel today. I, they don't. There's a history that goes with the name Je- You don't see too many Ahabs either. But when you look at this passage, Ahab, the Bible says that Ahab was evil. And on top of it, he married Jezebel. And she was a person that went on a killing campaign, killing all of God's prophets. And you'll find that there was a person that was an administrator in, in her kingdom, in Ahab's uh, kingdom, when he came, finally came to the throne. There was a person by the name of Obadiah. Obadiah was a palace administrator in the palace of King Ahab. And because Jezebel was killing the prophets, he took a hundred of the prophets of God and he put them in two caves, 50 in one and 50 in another, to protect them from being killed. And what she did, she brought in her prophets of Baal and another prophet was, that was called Asherah and brought these prophets and they became her prophets. Ate with her at her table. Eliminated, excuse me, God's prophets. And set up this idol-worshiping, God-hating community that God was going to deal with. And so when you look back a little bit before what we read, after the Lord told Elijah, Elijah, I want you to turn down by the brook and and I want you to stay there because it's not going to rain. told to tell Ahab, it ain't going to rain. Because of you, it's sin in the land, and I'm drying up. I believe that some of the conditions we see in the weather today is because of sin. Some of the things. Now, I don't believe in global warming. For those who do, I don't believe in global warming. I'm going to drive my car. Jackie, I'm not buying your car. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm messing with you. (laughs) I'm going to drive. God made the resources. You, who have they been saved for? Use them responsibly. I'm going to drive them, my car. Just letting y'all know, I'm, I ain't going green. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> now, when you look at this matter of Elijah, told, the Lord told him, tell Ahab it's not going to rain. Time had passed. The Lord had did a great thing. Now the Lord told Elijah, I want you to go up here before Ahab. And the Lord had given him some instructions of what he was to do. So when they met, finally Ahab says, you troublemaker, you're the responsible for all this stuff that's happened, Elijah. Elijah said, I am not responsible. You are responsible because of all your sin. Now, this is what you need to do. Gather all your prophets and appear before me upon Mount Carmel, which was a high place and a place where they would oftentimes sacrifice and worship. And so they went there to have this contest. And Elijah said to them, tell, the Lord had told, evidently tell, to tell Elijah this, but he said to the people, when they all got to gather all the people together and gather all the prophets, 
450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, and I want you to appear before me. And when he got all the people from the community there, he says, if God is God, why don't y'all serve God? And a great contest was set up, and I'm not going to go through all of that right now because I'm going to come back to that maybe at another time. But after this great contest had happened and the Lord had given Elijah this wonderful victory on this mountaintop God had blessed, he ordered the killing of all of those false prophets. But something that you'll notice in there, the Bible says that when Elijah prayed, he says, Lord, I have done all these things when it was time for the sacrifice where God was going to answer by fire. He says, I have done all these things according to your word. He said that in the prayer. You didn't, you didn't see him saying that God told me to call you all together. He said it, though, in the prayer that God had orchestrated this. When those prophets were taken down by the brook and killed, we pick up in chapter 19 where we read, after Ahab had come out the mountain and God about to send the rain, he said, when he got to the bottom, excuse me, back up. When it got to the bottom, Ahab went home. And you know what Ahab did? He told his wife, honey, Elijah didn't kill all your prophets. I just want you to know he killed all of them. And Jezebel said, pardon me? Say that again. What did you say? You, come, come here, you. Come here, come here. You take this message to Elijah and you tell him that by this time tomorrow, he's going to be just like one of my prophets. By this time tomorrow, by the time the sun set, he's going to be just like one of my, he's going to be dead. And Elijah got that message. He said, I got to go. <laughs> Elijah left town quickly. Now, this is what puzzles me. After this great victory upon this mountain, and God has been faithful, providing for Elijah, told him where to go, told send him to the widow, raised the woman's dead son. You look at the incredible things that God had done through him. Yet when Jezebel said, I'm going to get you, that brother got scared and left. Yeah, y'all see uh, Channel 271 when those those they talk about you know those killings and and you know the sins of the person and this and they man they have some women they can be some they, y'all y'all men be careful don't hook up with the wrong one <laughs> women don't hook up with the wrong man be careful y'all be careful when the Bible says don't be unequally yoked there's a reason for it. <laughs> You're not going to always live on love all the days of your life. You know, let me tell you. He leaves town. And as I look at this, my, my mind goes, Lord, why did he run? Why did Elijah run? What was the issue? 
The dilemma. Let me move quickly. Point number one, the dilemma faced by Elijah. When you look at 1 Kings 19, 1 and 2, we see the dilemma. Now, now, now it says in chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to, t- to uh, Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Point one, the dilemma faced by Elijah, the dilemma. No matter how many great victories you have won, if you don't seek the Lord, you are going to try to fight in your own strength. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care how many victories you may have. If you don't seek the Lord, you're going to fight in your own strength, and you won't win. You're not strong enough to fight the enemy on your own. God never meant you or created you to fight the enemy on your own. When you consider that Elijah had called the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah to the top of Mount Carmel, he did this according to the word of God, according to the direction that God had given him. Why didn't he see God's direction when Jezebel said, I'm going to get you? I would have thought he would have said, bring it on. I stand for the Lord. We don't see him consulting God at all when he left town. How could he do this after just having a great victory on the mountain and then slaying all the men on the, in the, in the, on the, uh, at the river? What happened? When you come off the mountaintop, you've got to come back into the valley. And that's where the enemy is going to meet you. But some of us are trying to always have this mountaintop experience, not recognizing that that's going to be only for a time, but you're going to come back to the valley. And that's where the enemy is going to attack you at your low point. He'll give you your time upon the mountain. He'll, he'll, he'll let you have some freedom on the mountain, but he's going to meet you in the valley. And so, so when you're high and lifted up and feeling great, be careful because the enemy is setting a trap for you. And Elijah, not watching, not aware, did not consult God. In this dilemma faced by Elijah, don't see him praying. God, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to say? He faced Ahab, who was the king. He was the man who made the rules. He's the man that could do things. And yet he didn't run from him, but he ran from Jezebel. The dilemma that Elijah, that Elijah took, that he had this dilemma, it requires an action on his part. The dilemma that you're in requires action. But what type of action does it require? It always requires you first seeking the counsel of the Almighty God. You find constantly in Scripture, when people didn't seek God's counsel, they failed. Without exception. And even today, we fail when we don't seek the counsel of God. Point number two, giving up. Verses 3 and 4. 
3 and 4 says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, look what he did. He left his servant. He dropped off his servant. I don't need you to slow me down. I got to make a journey and get out of town. You stay here. Can't be worried about you. I got to go. Drop the brother off. While the Bible says he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And I don't think he's just walking. That brother was running. I can imagine when he got the news, his heart was up here. It went down into his stomach. What? Oh, no. Jezebel coming? Got to go. Unfortunately, many people think that dying will solve their problems. And therefore, many people today have decided to take their lives because they think that's the only way out. The unfortunate thing about depressive thinking is that it will often lead you in the wrong direction if you are only reasoning with yourself. If you are thinking depressively and you are counseling yourself, imagine this, a person that's depressed having a conversation with themselves. You don't feel good, do you? No. <laughs> you want to give up, don't you? Yes, I do. What do you think about doing? Pills, gun, knife? Well, I've been thinking about some pills. People that are depressed shouldn't counsel themselves. Because their counsel ain't good. And so you find people coming to reasons and rationalizations based on their own thinking, not seeking out the help of others. That can show some reality in regards to it. Because oftentimes their thinking is not really based on what's real or is taken to the extreme. And it can never get better. No, it ain't. The sun ain't coming up tomorrow. No, it ain't. That's how we think. We look at the worst. And we fail to see that God says, is there anything too hard for me? Cast all your burdens on me. In other words, you say, cast on just, he said, throw your burdens on him. That's what that word cast means. It means throw them onto Jesus. No, we want to throw our troubles on our back and carry them. That's how far our troubles go. We just throw them on our back and we carry them on. But God says what we need to do is cast them all on him. I commend people that go through things and seek the counsel of others and say, hey, I need some help. I got something I'm going through. And I need some th- I need some help in this area here. That's okay. Find somebody you can trust. Like I say, I can't tell all y'all everything. Mm. Before I get home, Marin City, did you hear? <laughs> it would be in the Marin County Post. On that there you go. <laughs> Elijah goes. 
Because he's saying, Lord, I'm the only prophet. I just take my life. I'm ready to go home because this woman is after me. I'm tired of this. So the Bible says that Elijah fell asleep. And the God, God is incredible. Man, can you imagine the Old Testament having visitation by an angel? The presence of God, and sometimes even Jesus himself came. And the Bible says that, woke him up, Elijah. Get up, get up, get up, get up. You got to eat something. And that's the third point. Point number three is the meal. I'll soon be out. The meal, verses 5 through 9, 1 Kings 18, 5 through 9. Now, it's interesting that God was willing to feed Elijah and give him food that allowed him to run. And that's just an interesting thing. Here is God feeding this man. He said, man, you got a long journey. Wake up, wake up, wake up. I know you're tired, but you, got, you need some strength. Wake up and eat. The Bible, he looked around and there's some coal of some bread and some water. And the brother, he got up and he ate. And the Bible says he laid back down. Now, I need to say this. God has a sense of humor. God has a sense of humor. He fell asleep in the Bible. He's, the angel came, hey, 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 wake up. You got to eat some more. Because the journey that you got, man, you got to go a long way. Oh, you need to eat some more food. He got up and ate some more and laid back down. And the Bible says that on the food that he ate, he ran 40 days and 40 nights. And it wasn't like he was saying after day 10, Ooh, I wish I had something to eat. That brother's had a long ways to go. And I reckon that I'm thinking, man, I want to, I wanna, I wonder how fast was he running? I imagine there are people, on, and I, I can imagine people on camels. They're going on the camel. What was that? Y'all, y'all just, there's some saying, what was that? Was that that meteor in Russia? No. <laughs> And the Bible says that he ran in that strength, the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights. God is so incredible, sense of humor. And then he's 40 days and 40 nights. We know that Moses is upon the mountain, 40 days, 40 nights. The children of Israel wandered around in the desert 40 years. Spies spied out the land 40 days and the Time in the wilderness based on that, you know. You know, you know, 40 days and 40 nights of rain. Just, just, and then you look at this. Look at God. Mount Horeb, and it's very interesting, is called the mountain of God. Do you know the other name for Mount Horeb? Mount Sinai. That is the other name for Mount or at Mount Sinai. Now let me just go back quickly and as I bring this to a conclusion. The prophets of Baal, Asherah, Baal was the major god of the Canaanites. 
the Israelites were going to go into the land of Canaan. Asherah was considered in mythology, they believe, and they worshipped this, as the wife of Baal. And Baal's father was considered to be Dagon. Dagon, when the ark was taken to this place, was a temple where Dagon was there. And the Bible says when the ark was there, Dagon had fallen face down on this place before the ark. Back where in the book of when when, da when David was was running at that time, Asherah was a the wife, and she the, it's believed that this pole was called the Asherah pole. An image, maybe even of her, was placed upon this pole, and they were worshiping these things. Baal and Asherah worship was very sensual. They, they indulged in erotic living. And oftentimes the people of Israel would then get up to indulge themselves in this way. And God was calling them to an end. That's, why, that's, what, that's what led God to send them into captivity. Not only because of that, but because they refused to obey God. But they wanted to worship Baal. And this is who the children of Israel began to worship. Now... When the, the Elijah goes to Mount Horeb, he's running to the place where he thinks, my goodness, this is where God is. Because this is the mountain of God. God has shown himself to Moses. God is on Mount Sinai. I need to get to that place. He gets there, and I can imagine there's a sense of relief, and he goes there and goes into that cave. And the word of God came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? You just fed me food that let me run 40 days and 40 nights. And I'm the only prophet, Lord, for you. I'm just making sure that you got a prophet to carry on your work. You know, Jezebel's killing prophets, so I'm just helping you out. <laughs> Elijah, what are you doing Something we need to know. When we're running in the wrong direction and refusing to honor God, God will feed you and let you keep going until you get to the end and says, what are you doing here? That's a question that we've got to answer. What are you doing here? After all the strength, after everything has been given, after all of the energy to be asked a question, what are you doing here? That's the question that sin makes you answer. Sin forces you to answer that question. And oftentimes you'll find people say, how did I get here? What was I thinking to get here? I don't even remember how I even got here. So we go on in our own strength when the Lord has been trying to keep us and we haven't consulted him, haven't spent time saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? 
when we don't consult God and start running, you always run in the wrong direction. And Elijah running on full, but in the wrong direction. Which direction are you running right now? Where are you running? Oh, we have our own thoughts and thinking and philosophy. How does it matter with the Word of God? We think we are doing what God says to do. Are you? And we'll just go and go. And then we convince ourselves we're right. Not realizing the, farther, the longer and more we go, the deeper we get ingrained in what we're doing. And say, I'm right. And you get to the end, and the question is, what are you doing here? Your choices and direction have consequences. When we walk with the Lord, if Elijah just kept walking with God, Lord, Jezebel's mentioned, what would you have me to do? What's, what's the word of God? What's, what, what, what would you have me to do, Lord? God had been speaking to him. God had spoke to this man. Consult God before you go running off. I don't need to get an answer from nobody. I can just go. I'm my own person. Be careful. Because you find yourself trying to get out of jam after jam after jam after jam after jam after jam after jam. Bow your heads, if you would. I've run in the wrong direction before. Try to put on brakes, boom, and I stopped. I crashed. That got my attention. You're on a collision course if you're not following the direction of the Lord. God's going to ask you and is asking you, what are you doing here? If you're not following him, what keeps people from following God when he's so wonderful. Here's a great prophet of the Lord. Elijah, a man of God here. And the Lord asks him, what are you doing here? And today, if you're about to make a decision and you haven't consulted God or you've been traveling, traveling on this road and you think you're heading in the right direction. You better pull off the road and get some get some direction. You better ask. Don't keep going if you know you're not going in the direction that God says. We don't want to keep making excuses. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Stop. Stop. The way that you turn around is that you stop and go the other way. Today, God, in his mercy, has given us a chance to halt and
and to find out what he's saying. And then it becomes incumbent upon us to do it. And I'm going to tell you this as the end result. The Lord sent Elijah back. Told him, you go, an- hey, you go anoint this person here. You go here. Having somebody take over you. Going back. Go here. I want you to go here. Go like you go here. He had to leave the mountain of God. And today, pray this message doesn't roll off our backs like water in a duck. It's like, oh, I heard it and flap our wings and it's gone. No. When we hear the word of God, action has to be taken. There's something that God is saying. I don't know where everyone is. I don't know what decision where you are about, what you're about to maybe get into or what you're thinking about. But God has a plan. Consult him. Today, Lord, we are praying that you will help us to run, to run on full in the right direction. Pray today that God, you will help us and bless us and strengthen us to run in the right direction. We pray that we will take what Elijah has done. Take the word of God and apply it in our lives, to our lives, that we will, Lord, say, what would you have me to do? Even when I'm threatened, Lord, may I stay on course. Even when the enemy swings and he's, and he's swinging furiously at me, may I stay on course. Even when he meets me in the valley, may I stay on course. May, may he understand and I understand, Lord, that the race is not given to the swift, nor to the strong, but to him that endures to the end. Prepare me, Lord, for the attacks of the enemy. That when I'm in the midst of the battle, I won't retreat and run the other direction when God is saying, go forward. Today, Lord. We don't have as much time on this earth as we once had. And Lord, we don't want to hear the words of God say, what are you doing here? When the Lord has told us to talk to him, consult him, follow him. So today we love you. We praise you. We glory in and magnify your matchless name. We thank you today. In Jesus' name. Man, God bless you. I'm going to join communion today. I'm not going to do communion today. I'm not going to do communion today. I want to. As we end, we're not going to do communion today. I, I, I feel, I'm feeling not the. I'm feeling like we're not going to do it today. Just leave it there. Maybe next next time. But I want to thank you for preparing this episode. There's some things that's happening today in our society, Marin City, Oakland, just various places. That's 
a disturbing trend. We have too many young people dying from violence, from decisions that they're making. And today, I'm, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that when the Word of God says that we are to train up a child in the way that he should go, that we, he gets old, he wants to part. It means that he has something to come back to. There is a, there's something that we have to be so mindful of that living outside of God's will is living outside of the protection of God. And even Elijah, even though he was a mighty man of God, had moved outside, but he had to face some consequences of his actions. The trials are going to come, people. That's fine. The trials is what makes us. The decisions that you make determines if you get the victory. God is going to allow some things into your life. And the question is, will you trust God to see you through? If he can lead you in, you better stay with him so he can take you out. I'll say this. Now, my dad said, there was a place in Playland. I, I like, love going there. We also go, but I didn't like the scary house. <laughs> I'm glad that we got on that little train. <laughs> I'm glad. I remember that. I didn't like it. I was glad when we got to the other side and it was coming out. I would do that basically one time. <laughs> I had to stay on board because it knew how to get me out. God knows how to get us out. Stay on board. Stay on track. 